no Arsenal action, my friends, but there's still a lot to talk about. Let's talk about the Olympics, of course, the Nations League, Lotto Wubbenmoy, and another potential Emirates Stadium sellout. Welcome, 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 my friends, to yet another episode of That Arsenal Women Podcast with me, your host, Demian. As always, thank you so much for your interest, for your energy, for your time, for your vibes. I truly appreciate it. If this is your very first time here, not only do I want to welcome you, but I want to give you a heads up and let you know that this is a very niche Arsenal podcast. I am a professional musician here in L.A., and most of what you will hear comes from uh, my own personal perspective, my opinion, my biased opinion, my insights, and it is not coming from a professional pundit or a professional journalist or an author. However, speaking of being an author, in my attempt to be an author, I can share with you that I also, aside from this podcast, I have a blog called That Arsenal Women Blog, which you can find at thatarsenalwomenblog.com. And in that blog, I write every single day, every single day. Some content is directly related to Arsenal. Sometimes you're in the Nations League and such. World Cup, Euro Cup, I morph a little bit into more of a focus on the Dutch squad, a little bit of the English Lionesses, but mostly the Dutch squad. But today, because there's not a lot of action or much at all related to Arsenal women, I'm going to review a little bit of what I have been talking about in the podcast, excuse me, on the blog. So if you have read the the post in the past few days, you might find a little bit of an overlap. But anyway, that's why we're here, to talk a lot. So the next match, when the girls come back from international duty, will be at the Emirates Stadium yet again against Tottenham in what promises to be a massive, massive, if not the biggest North London Derby to date for numerous reasons. But what I want to focus on right now is the crowd itself. So the idea that we, again, will have over 50,000 people at the Emirates is absolutely incredible. Like I remember a couple of days ago when I saw the news, I was just smiling so, so widely because it just makes me feel so happy, not only for the players, for the staff, of course, for the league in general, uh, but also for, for the club, for Arsenal in, in as a whole, because I feel it's, I wouldn't say a culmination by any stretch of the imagination, but because of all their hard work through the years, historically being pioneers and trailblazers and having the, the most incredible women represent the club historically, it's, it's fitting that we are the ones breaking all these records. You know, it, it really, really makes me very happy. I don't know exactly who the sort of responsible is. And I could, you know, point to the director. I could point to Edu. Of course, incredibly important women like Claire Wheatley, for example. But whoever is, you know, sort of at the forefront right now or responsible, quote unquote, right now, it's, it's only part or they're only part of this long history of people, Vic Akers and everybody before that, and and, and any single women, a woman that has ever kicked a, a football, for crying out loud, is responsible for this. So it's just very, very magical to me. And I, I just don't see how 
there's any going back at the very least at, for Arsenal as a club. You know, the, the reality is that this is becoming the norm, right? So even if, if it's not a full sellout, right, maybe they don't get, quote unquote, that many people. But even if you sell half of, of the Emirates, that's still 30,000 people. And that is absolutely insane. I mean, think about it. The, the fact that we've done this in, in every time, basically, we play at the Emirates, it just proves that there's people there that they want to go to matches, that it doesn't matter if they're going to the men's games too, they will also go to the women's. And I don't know what the overlap is. And I wrote about this and I'm very curious to know what you what you all think. But it, it's just incredible. And the fact that we see it or I as a fancy and I'm like, oh yeah, of course, I'm not surprised that there's 50,000 people. But like, that was crazy. Even for me as a new women's football fan who I just started watching in 2019, in the summer of 2019, you know, I would watch Boreham would not even be sold out. And now we're talking about, you know, all the hurdles that people have to go through to get tickets and be playing at the Emirates or, or watching the girls play at the Emirates. It's amazing. And we cannot lose sight of that. I mean, it's truly remarkable that obviously this didn't happen overnight, right? So it's just, of course, that's not what I mean. But but just like the recency bias and the way that we're programmed to think in this social media world where of uh, uh, you know, instant gratification and fast news cycles. Like it, it's it's crazy that we forgot basically that Villa, you know, the match against Villa that I was very lucky to attend to had like 55,000 people, which is a ridiculous number, right? And then the next game at the Emirates is against Man United, a sellout, right? And then the next game, let's just say that there's a little bit of less people, but it's still 50,000 people, 55,000 people. That's incredible. And like, obviously, I don't mean to make this about myself, but I've been very privileged in my career and I've played to massive crowds. And 60,000 people is absolutely gigantic. It's enormous. It's, it's very loud. And it's incredible to hear that amount of people. So even... It, when it's 20,000, it's ridiculous, right? So the fact that we are building this culture and this sort of, not validation, because I don't think we build the validation. I think women are need to be validated and or they don't need to be validated, right? They deserve all the credit and all this amazing stuff for just trying to attempt to kick a damn soccer ball in this world with all the misogyny and all the obstacles they have going for them. But the fact is that this is incredible for them. I'm really happy, like I said, for the staff, for everybody involved. It's just absolutely incredible. And like I've said, I just don't see there's any going back, right? There's just no going back. How are they, uh, are, there's, are we going to, you know, fulfill all the demand, supply and demand type of situation, type, type of relationship when, when you have... 50,000 plus willing to attend a women an Arsenal women's match and you play all your home games at Bournemouth like that that has to change sooner rather than later. I don't know if it's a contract thing with the city or with a with Bournemouth FC. I don't know exactly what the logistics are, but there's definitely something to be said about how that is no longer sustainable and I just don't see it happening. I of course have been lucky enough to 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 see Arsenal women play a couple of times. And I've done so once at the Emirates and once at Wembley. 
And I've always wanted to go to Borumwood. And, and it's a very beautiful thing. And it's a very boutique type of uh, stadium. And I'm dying to go, right? Like, I, I, part of me, you know, the musician, which I'd rather go see a band that I love in a small club than in a stadium, right? It's kind of the same. I want to see my favorite band, aka my favorite football team, in a small club, you know? that would mean a lot more perhaps than to see them in a massive, massive building, you know, or a massive stadium or arena. So I'm really excited to see what is going to happen, what the future is. But again, there's just no going back, is there? So with the continuing growth of the game, with it, it comes a phenomenon that is very, it's weird to talk about because the overplaying of players is sort of the natural arc of the the growth of the sport, but it needs to be regulated more and needs to be policed more. And one of the things that I wrote about this morning was how I think that something has to change. And for it to change, we need to do something about it, right? Nothing's going to change until we change. Nothing is going to change unless somebody takes a stand. And I highly doubt that that somebody is going to be a club because they're built around money. They have a different type of budget than, say, a nation. So I do see a universe where a national team such as the Netherlands, as uh, Andrews Jonker has has hinted um, at, I do see a universe where a team is going to be very selective as to who they field, who they play, who they call up, how much they play. Like I could definitely see, you know, this this alternative approach to playing whereas and to to be completely honest with you, I haven't thought about any of this. This is just off the top of my head. And proof of this is that it'll be different than when you saw, you know, at uh at at at, at that arsenalwomenblog.com is that Let's just say that you are Andres Jonker and you call up all these players for the Dutch national team and you have a match against, like this is happening, right? Against Germany tomorrow. But you know that a player like Viviana Miedema has been playing, has been recovering from an injury and maybe she's dealing with some niggling, you know, after effects of the recovery. She's not fully recovered or whatever. The nation of the Netherlands definitely needs a Viviana Miedema to perform, or even if it's at 50%, she's better than anybody else, so we need her to play, correct? But I can see a universe where Jonker basically limits a lot of their players, whether it's via... Well, in this case, he sent them, him and her and in Pelova home because of injury, but let's just say that he opts to only play X amount of players for one half, or very limited minutes, or simply doesn't call them up. That is a universe that I think we need to embrace. And the the crazy thing for me, as it relates to limiting yourself, or you as a player opting out of certain matches, is the sort of club versus country conversation. Because your club pays your life, right? And your livelihood. And it's your job, for, for, for lack of a better word, right? Whereas the nation that calls you 
there is this implied feeling of or responsibility of patriotism, of nationalism in a way, of not being a traitor or not being ungrateful if you decide to not play or if you, you know, players in the past and on the men's side have faked an injury or have sort of, you know, concocted all these reasons with the clubs, to, for the physios with the clubs so they don't play because of an important match coming up, or you, you know, finals, Champions League final or a qualifier, whatever the case may be. So I think we need to embrace the, the idea that uh, these women can make a choice and should make a choice based on what's best for themselves, their bodies, their minds, their families, and not necessarily because of the nation or least of all economy and commerce and uh, this idea that the growth of the game means mimicking the men's game as much as possible. And that is just not true. And it's also not sustainable. We have seen it time and time again, and women have been extremely vocal about it. And it doesn't make them weak. It doesn't make them any less athletic. It makes them, if nothing else, more empathetic, more more open about their feelings, more vulnerable, braver than most men. So the fact that they're talking about it, people like DVD spoke about it and other players ad nauseum have spoken about this so many times in the recent past. It's very important that they're listened right? And they're heard, listened to and heard, but also that something has to be done. So if if nothing else, as a, a fan of the Dutch national team, if, if the federation comes out and says, you know what, we're only going to call, you know, we're going to have two teams and they're going to alternate every other match day, we're going to call a whole separate group of players, then I will be like, sign me up for that. I completely respect that. I applaud it. And it doesn't matter if I want them to win X, Y, or Z, or I don't want them to lose this competition for my own personal ego and my, you know, want and need to, to see the Dutch lift a trophy because I've never seen that in my lifetime because I missed when they won the Euros in 2017. So if that is what is needed for DVD to play longer, for Sheridas Pizza to play longer, for Meryl Bandonga to play longer, for Shaki Hruna to play longer, for Lika Martins to play for longer, and to save at an early stage the careers of the Van Domselaars, the Kasparais, the, you know, all these players, you know, Damaris, all of them, they need to be taken care of as much as possible. And something needs to happen, right? Something. And it has to happen very, very, very soon. And not it, it can't be this reactive thing. I mean, it'll already be reactive because of the injuries and all this other stuff. But something needs to happen, my friends, and that shit needs to happen very soon. So speaking of a player that has been, you know, getting a lot of minutes has been Lotta Wubenmoy. And I wrote about her because, as you might know uh, from being a listener or a reader, full disclosure, and I'm being completely open and honest with you, I am not Lotta's biggest fan. And if I would claim to be or hide the fact that I've been critical of her in the past would be lying to you. And I don't do that, right? I have my opinion on her that is unique to her and based upon what I have seen from her on the pitch. It has nothing to do with how amazing she is outside of the pitch. 
And I also don't have necessarily direct criticisms towards her as much as I do praise for other players, uh, such as Leah Williamson, Amanda Illisted, obviously, Rafaela, who's no longer at Arsenal, that I believe are on a completely different league than Lotto Wuben Moy. But that's neither here nor there. The fact of the matter is that she's been playing the best football of her career. It's been amazing to see her grow in confidence and grow in athleticism, in her vision, her passing. Above all, her decision-making, I think, has been uh, better than ever. And I was feeling very sad for her because she was not getting into Serena Wigman's team at uh, for the Lionesses. And I thought it was kind of crazy. Like, I understand completely if she's not on the team when you have, you know, Leah Williamson or her Millie Bright or Alex Greenwood, you name it. I get it, right? I think that they, all of them are way better than Wubin Moy. But when you have a team or the B team playing against, you know, I forget exactly who they played against, Austria, right? Who aren't the strongest nation in the world, right? If you're not going to start her there, then when are you going to start her? Like, that made no sense to me. Like, she deserves some minutes. And there were also players there that I don't think I had ever heard in my life. And I can assure you are not having a good of a season as Lotta is having. So I was really bummed for her. I don't know what else she had to, to do to get a start under Serena Wiegmann. But I think it's more, it's less about, about Lotta and more about Serena. Because Serena has the, this sort of blind loyalty to some players sometimes, like she did back in the day, well, when she was around, with Shanice van der Sanden. And she would not play Meryl van Donga, for example, who is an amazing player. And there's just there was just no room for her there. So the fact that I, we could witness something similar for Lotta, I think would be very unfair for her uh, because of 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 how much she's beloved by by Arsenal fans and how much she is obviously beloved by the England squad. You could see her is well, kind of. This is a little foreshadowing, but I'm sure that we could see her. Uh, we could see how much people love her, right? And fast forward to the game this morning when she scored two minutes in. How she celebrated. How everybody came after. Uh, you know, to give her a hug and, and congratulate her. It was very beautiful to see. So good on her, good for her. And I'm glad that she is doing what, you know, what we want elite players to do, which is when given the opportunity, you grab it with both hands and you take the, you know, you make the best out of that situation. And she clearly has done so today. Now, I don't know what the future holds for her as far as the England setup is concerned. I don't know when Leah will be back. Uh, but I think it's a no-brainer that you have her slot right into that defense with uh, either Alex Greenwood. I don't know where Millie Bride is at. But the reality is that Wuben Moy has done so well for herself that she deserves Right, whatever that means, and I know in football it's tricky to to say that word who deserves what, but to me it's a no-brainer that she at least deserves to be in a squad when you play against a B team or so. So that to sort of tie it in with with the, the the topic before, as far as like overplaying, then then you this is a a perfect answer 
to that. You can have a player like Ruben Moy that excels for Arsenal, play less minutes for England, and then you can have sort of the opposite sometimes when you have other players that play less for their clubs and more for their national teams. I don't, I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but that definitely happens, you know, like happens in England, right? For example, like England men, when you have, you know, Harry Maguire can barely get a game for, for Man United, and then we all know that Gareth Southgate is going to get him to, you know, basically most likely just start in defense in any match when England play, which is kind of kind of insane. Last but not least on today's podcast is the topic of the Nations League, specifically the Dutch playing tomorrow for a place in the Olympics. As I was saying before, I'm a little bit torn. I don't even know if I said I was being I was torn. But anyway, I'm torn in the sense that of course I want the Dutch to qualify. I want them to beat Germany, and I also want the players to be safe, to be sound, to be healthy, to be emotionally intact or as empowered as humanly possible. And if the idea of the Olympics in the summer is something that they are not comfortable with or they're overwhelmed by, then by no means would I want them to qualify. So this is among the things that I've learned with women's football, that it's not any more about what I want and what I need and my, my, my desires as a fan. It's about what do the players want? What are they capable of doing while remaining sane and healthy? And I'll adapt to it. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's not to get uh, sort of too... Uh, life coachy uh, about this, but there's this sense in in life where you know we've heard this many a time, right? That things happen for a reason, right? Like I understand completely that frame of mind or that way of thinking, but I'm more in the camp, and I try to I try to be careful when I say this because being in a camp or, or thinking that you are in a camp sort of uh, poo-poos the other side. So that's not what I what I will say. But I will quote Jay Shetty. And he posted a little bit about this the other... or uh, He posted a, a post-up. <laughs> he posted about this the other day. And he said, and I quote, a secret to happiness is letting every situation be what it is instead of what you think it should be and then making the best of it. And that, to me, my friends, applies to women's football, right? Like I... Demian, of course, I want the Dutch to win. And I want to see DVD lifting a cup of any kind because I have been deprived of that by the universe, right? But that's what I think should be, right? That's that's exactly what I think should be. But if she opts out, right, you would think that my, repl- my response would be like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I, uh, I what I think should be, which is in this case, her lifting a trophy is not. So I need to make the best out of it. But no, I, for me, what I think should be is that first is what does DVD want? What does Viviana Miedema want? What does Jackie Gruner want? What what does Van Domselaar want? What what does Berenstein want? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever it is that they want collectively, I'm here to support and if it matches to my quote-unquote ambition 
as a fan in 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 the thirst for trophies that I have that that is not being fulfilled by a nation at this point in my life and has never been since I've been supporting the Dutch since I was freaking born. I haven't seen that. So this is why this is all intriguing and it's an interesting conversation for me because there's so many things to keep in mind. So with that said, that's a lot of, of saying. With that said, do I want the Dutch to, to beat Germany and make it to the Olympics? Yes. Does that imply that I want every player that I love like the Dominic Janssens of the world and so on to play at the Olympics? Maybe not. If it's going to come with a price as it relates to their well-being and their, their body. So I guess I have to not think of the, the players and think of the nation in general. And to be fair, I don't particularly care about the Olympics as a standalone thing. I do value the symbolism of a trophy or an occasion for certain players to play together, possibly for the last big tournament. And that is a big deal. And that pulls on my heartstrings, of course, DVD, Sharida's Pizza, and a couple others that we know are not going to continue playing on forever as much as I would like that. That's just not a reality. So I understand the will of doing that, but I have to sort of take my take a step back and see what's best for them. Like I've said many times, and I don't want to beat a dead horse that I've already beat and it's been dead. I've killed its nine lives. Uh, so I'm just going to stop right now. So I will speak to you probably after the North London Derby, which of course happens the 3rd of March, a Sunday or this Sunday, I should say. And I cannot bloody wait. I cannot wait. Normally, I would tell you that I am a little bit nervous for a North London Derby and the girls aren't doing all that well right now. And, you know, that all goes out the window. I don't care that they beat us. I don't care about anything other than these amazing women being completely up for it and maintaining their high level of performance. And I'm excited to see how they're going to paint London red once more, how it deserves to be. And I say this from LA, so take it with a grain of salt. A kind reminder, that arsenalwomenblog.com. Again, that arsenalwomenblog.com. I write every single day, every single day. So check it out. Send it to somebody, comment, tweet at me, whatever you have to do. Thank you so much, my friends. I love you, and we'll speak again real soon.